honestly, if anybody's sitting there thinking my dog's awful, I have been there. I've had the sleepless crying nights and and I've made it. I've made it out the other side. You're listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 61 of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host, Erin Scott, and thank you so much for being here today. I can't believe this is our last episode of 2022. I was going back and counting up. There was 23 episodes this year, which so far is the most that I have done in one single year. And this has been the biggest year for downloads for me. So it's been really exciting. We hit over 10,000 downloads a couple months ago, which is one of the big uh, milestones for small indie podcasters like me. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. This has been the best year yet for the Believe in Dog podcast. And we've gotten to hear from so many amazing people. And I feel like we've gotten to learn so much and connect with amazing people from all around the world. We've had several international guests this year, including today's guest, Steph Evans from the UK. And not just learning factual information, but really touching on all the different ways that dogs can touch our lives. We've talked about things this year from sexual assault to our dogs helping us through breast cancer, including me myself. We've talked about stopping a dog fight or what you do when you've had this type of scary situation in your home and how to manage your emotions and recover from it. One of the most important topics that we talked about this year was about laboratory experimenting on dogs, particularly beagles. We've heard from three different guests this year whose lives have been touched by rescuing laboratory beagles. And there's been some exciting movement in lawmaking to help end this practice. So that's been one of the big themes that I've been following this year. From keeping our dogs safe in the car to creating the best CBD products for our pets, I am just endlessly amazed at all the different ways that the love of a dog can inspire someone in the world. And I'm so grateful that I get to be part of sharing these stories with you. And I'm super excited for you to meet today's guest, Steph Evans. Steph is a human and animal physical therapist who's based in Bristol, England, which is the southwest of England, so not at all near London. She's actually kind of across the harbor from Wales. So Steph got her undergraduate degree in human physical therapy, which in England, they call it physiotherapy. And so instead of being called a physical therapist, she's called a physiotherapist. So then she got her master's degree in animal physical therapy. And she also gets to teach about animal physical therapy, as well as treat clients. And she'll tell us why she prefers treating canine clients to horses. And Steph's life has been heavily influenced over the last three years by her dog, Teddy. Teddy is a golden retriever, and he was not at all an easy dog. 
Steph is super honest about sharing the challenges that she went through with Teddy, but also how they came out the other side. So Steph is going to share with us everything that she's learned on her journey with Teddy. And I think I'm actually going to make some graphics to share on social media because she has some amazing advice. And one of the big things that Steph learned was how much exercising Teddy helped contribute to his ability to focus. And that's what gave her the idea to create the ultimate boot camp. And this is great if you're someone like me who has a goal of moving their body more in the new year. And I love that Steph can help both people and animals with being more physically active, with acknowledging their limitations, with helping you prevent any injuries. We're going to learn a very important term today called prehab. So if you are interested in joining the Ultimate Boot Camp, I'll make sure that we have links in the show notes for you because this is such a great way to not just move your own body, not just get your dog more active, but it's really a great way to celebrate and create this bond between you and your dog. Because I'll be honest, I don't have a great track record of exercising just for the sake of exercising. But I love walking the dogs. I love hiking with the dogs. That'll get me moving. But, you know, it's wintertime and it's cold. And I like this idea of having more fun things I can do in the house or around the house or the yard with the dogs. Steph has so much to share with us. I can't wait for you to meet Steph Evans. So we are here today with Steph Evans. Hi, Steph. How are you? Hello. I'm really good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. How are you today? I am doing great. It is a beautiful day here in Baltimore, which doesn't happen very often in November. (laughs) (laughs) Got to say, in the UK at the moment, we are having rain, (laughs) which is pretty standard for November. That's what I understand. (laughs) So I have so much I want to talk to you about. But I always love by starting off by asking about your childhood experiences with animals. So, for instance, I never had a dog until I was 25, and I didn't even know I liked dogs (laughs) until I was 25. And so what did that look like for you? Yeah, I also didn't have a dog until my very first paycheck, and then I went and bought one. Um, (laughs) Growing up, we didn't have one because the parents said no. Um, And then, yeah... (laughs) I understand it but you know um so my granny had a golden retriever which I think is the reason why I have a golden retriever that one was called Dozy even though she was absolutely psychotic so I don't know why she named her Dozy um and I always wanted one and we went to a pantomime when I was younger and I ended up going up on stage and they asked what I wanted for Christmas but what I hadn't got (laughs) I said a dog and the whole audience booed my parents <laughs> which I feel kind of bad about now but you know so I just basically just I just wanted everybody else's dogs and would go missing on the beach because I was obsessed with Dalmatians at one point and would just run off to Dalmatians and would go missing but you know my parents always found me again <laughs> and so how long has Teddy been with you now three three years now he had his third birthday I got him in yeah December before COVID so he wasn't as expensive as like they became in COVID um but yeah three years which is mad absolutely mad and so what is life with Teddy like 
Teddy is amazing. He's just also a complete character. My um, mom always says that he practices facial expressions in front of the mirror when I'm out <laughs> because he can pull every single emotion in a face. That's hilarious. <laughs> but love him to bits. He um, He's like my best friend. As I'm sure everybody's dogs is theirs. He's best friend. Take, takes me out. I take him out. Um, but does keep me on my toes. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad that you had him to get through COVID because those were some strange times and it was helpful to have a dog. Yeah, totally. With COVID without Teddy would have been awful because I was like, my family lived about two and a half hours away, which in America probably isn't far, but in the UK is far. (laughs) No, that's still pretty far here. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Especially because you weren't allowed to, I don't know what it was like over for you guys, but we weren't allowed to like travel get pulled over by the police why are you traveling um, oh. yeah so if if I'd gone to see them then you risked like getting pulled over so oh, it, was wow. a, it was a no-go yeah we didn't it wasn't that strict here. oh is it not yeah quite strict <laughs> and so I saw a funny post that you made on Instagram recently about trying to teach Teddy recall oh yeah <laughs> it's a mission and a half <laughs> yeah um so I put up a post explaining kind of our journey so I'm really um honest so my idea of everything I do um is to just be completely honest about our journey because I think a lot of people go through the same stuff but sometimes people feel maybe embarrassed to kind of say this is this is how I'm finding it um so I'm very honest Teddy is like an entire golden retriever has testosterone you know (laughs) likes the girls and is also completely not food obsessed so loads of retrievers who I know like you train them with food they love it every trainer you generally see gives you like oh yeah get out a treat but I've I have literally cooked a roast chicken I got to that much of my wits end and walked around with it and he just didn't care so um yeah it was I think yeah I shared the video of him coming back to me which was in the middle of sniffing which was amazing um so it's it's been a really long journey and kind of the the three main steps that I've done for it is finding something that he actually enjoys so if your dog isn't treat obsessed what do they enjoy for teddy it's as simple as just pets and cuddles sounds really stupid but that that is what he likes he won't doesn't like eating um and also the second one for me was kind of setting setting him up for success and not failure so when i'm creating any kind of exercise um basically he has to succeed whatever choice he makes it's going to be success so it started a lot on kind of the lead and then in the garden so it was actually before the garden like the side of our house is like a concrete area which is really boring you build it up and up and then yeah then you're going to succeed out and about and then the third one is so I'm a little bit unique so I will we'll go into it I'm sure so I exercise with Teddy exercising us both at the same time and in doing that I'm I have us both jumping around one of us slow one of us fast and it just is really helped with his focus but yeah it's an achievement his recall is an achievement but it's always a journey for anyone you've never got a solid recall you've got to keep working on it I don't know what you think about that. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. And it's been a little harder. My girl Penny, uh, you know, she's gotten older. And a couple years ago, she had an ear infection and she had a reaction to this medication and it actually made her lose some of her hearing. Aww. And so it's been an interesting journey, you know, 
sometimes I don't know if it comes and goes or if there are certain sounds she hears better than others, but it's been an interesting adventure, you know, trying to navigate that uh, hearing loss, you know, in the world. That's something else entirely. Yeah. Yeah. do you have to like run in front of her or like raise a flag or no? <laughs> well, you know, it's just interesting. Like sometimes like it's because she's extremely food motivated. So I think sometimes she <laughs> will smell, you know, if I get the treats out, she'll smell it. I mean, she'll be across the yard with her back to me and I'll call her and she won't respond. But I open the bag of the stinky fish treats <laughs> and boom, she comes running. So whenever I have her kind of outside, even if we're just getting in the car and maybe I don't have her on a, a leash, like I always have this bag of treats with me that I'm kind of shaking because then she'll You're just the smelly fish woman, it. basically. <laughs> basically, yeah, I'm basically the smelly fish woman. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if it works. <laughs> you know, I've made a lot of sacrifices for these dogs. <laughs> I mean, you talking I literally said I walked around with a roast chick and I got a lot of funny looks <laughs> and a lot of other dogs come to me you know all of them except my own <laughs> yeah you're like the Pied Piper of dogs there's dogs just following you all the wrong dogs <laughs> except yours and so it even sounded like you had worked with some trainers who weren't a good fit it sounds like yeah I've gone through a lot of trainers um not and like I would never diss a trainer. Everybody does their own stuff. And I've spoken to some really cool people. Um, and I know people who've they've like achieved amazing results with other dogs. But Teddy is quite unique. Um, he's, he's, if he, he knows what he wants and he can be quite stubborn. And so, yeah, so I've been told by trainers that like kind of my dreams are impossible. And I was never going to achieve it. And... Um, the only way I could do it is to somebody else said I had to lock him in a crate all day and then um, once I let him out then he could only come out if he was interested in me I've literally been told everything far in between um yeah so I've walked out of sessions halfway through and probably lost a lot of money good for you yeah it's hard and I think that's um, something to say to other people if ever you're in a training session and you're like this is wrong and even though the person is a trainer and more qualified or whatever than you if it doesn't feel right and you're not happy then just just go home it's it's not worth it um yeah you might have lost a bit of money but I yeah your relationship with your dog's worth more and you have to kind of travel around to find your perfect person really and there are some fab trainers and I travel a bit for mine now but yeah it's He's great. But um, to be honest, I haven't seen him for a while, but he was the one who kind of made me realize one of the first ones, to be honest, you don't have to use treats. Now, I've only seen him twice. And it was only really to kind of teach me that, like, you don't always need to use treats. Find something that your dog likes. And so I've even got like, so if we don't do pats, I've got a pot which has got some sheep wool in and I've drilled the hole in the tops and he gets to sniff it sometimes if he's a good boy. And that... That works sometimes, mixing it up a bit with the pats. But yeah, what find what your dog loves. And if they don't like treats, don't bother with it. <laughs> I think that is amazing insight. I, I think that's awesome. It was, it took a long time. So Teddy's very intrinsically motivated. And um, so it, it took a lot of trainers to kind of help us, help me reach that. And once he said that, I was like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> there was me in the field, literally doing star jumps, cartwheels, roast chickens, running away because everyone's like, run away from your dog, hide behind the hedge. Tried all of it. 
no. He just wanted some some lovin's. He just wanted some pets. That was it. How mad's that? <laughs> but staging it in in starting from in the home, taking it up to the garden on a lead at the side, going to like a little valley of grass and building it up for that like you will succeed. And and there's no point rushing things. It's like when you go to primary school, um I don't know what you call school out there. Is primary school high school? Elementary school. Elementary, okay. Yeah. Okay, elementary, primary, and then going up to kind of high or secondary school. You wouldn't just go take show a four-year-old in like top of secondary school. You'd have to take them stage by step by step. And everybody's different. So go at whatever speed works for you and your dog. And that was that's my my learning from mine and Teddy's journey. And yeah, every every dog's different. You know, maybe my my next golden, you know, will be completely food motivated and I'll be completely stumped. <laughs> So I was really excited to talk to you because you are a physio, which in America we call a physical therapist. Although physiotherapy is starting to also become like more trendy to say. So uh, <laughs> I think uh, people are, are liking the, the way that you guys uh, refer to it. And so can you tell us about how you decided to start studying physiotherapy? Yeah, so I I first of all did my human physiotherapy degree which it wasn't really I always wanted to work with animals I did think I wanted to be a vet first and then I think I spoke to by the way huge respect to vets if any vets listening to this I I, yeah (laughs) I spoke to too many vets I remember asking a vet on work experience I was like do you have time for a horse and they were like I don't have time for a boyfriend I was like (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I spoke to a few too many vets and it was very kind of conveyor belt. Next, 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 next. Um, and then I kind of looked at um, different, I don't know, equine science, different types of courses. And one of the masters from one was vet physio. Um, so physio for animals. And I spoke to the lecturer and they mentioned about doing the chartered route. So doing human physio, then going into animals. And then I went to, then dragged my parents along to yet another university to look at human physio. Um, because then you be a human, then you do your masters and then become an animal physio. And then in the talk of the human, we went to the finance talk, the, they said it was free. Um, because we have um, the NHS, National Health Service, at the point that I went to uni, they paid for the degree. And my mum would put her hand up in the middle in front of everyone. Did you just say the degree was free? <laughs> And then they were like, yes. And then my dad turned to me and was like, you're more than welcome to do this degree. (laughs) And then I did the free degree. (laughs) And then I did the master's. To be honest, I'm really glad I did it in that route. But it it made absolute sense. It saved me like (laughs) £30,000. And so did you actually work doing human physio work for a while? I do. I do actually like people. Um, <laughs> loads of people work with animals because they hate people. Yeah, yeah. Listening to this. that all the time. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to this and you're thinking that, I hate to break it to you, but every animal comes with a person and you have to speak to people. Um, so, yeah, I really do like people. Um, so I started off, so we did placements while we were at university. We did like, I don't know, quite a few placements. And um, I don't know how many. I think it was like six, five-week placements, something like that. I even um, moved to Finland for a few months. That was fun. Did some oh, placements wow. out there. Literally where Santa Claus, Claus lives. Oh, um, wow. Santa Express used to go past my work. And sometimes <laughs> I'd finish and I'd be like, I'm going to go see Santa. 
<laughs> but um, so yeah, so I did that. And then when I graduated, I worked in the high dependency unit, high dependency unit in the hospital. Um, so that's kind of respiratory chest physio, which people don't really think about. But so if people had a tracheostomy, so kind of like breathing through their neck and then I was helping to kind of wean them off stuff like that and getting them breathing normally again but it was quite morbid high death rate so I was a bit sad and so I left that job worked in MSK um, outpatients kind of thing but privately Um, and that was kind of my human side before I moved into lecturing and animal therapy and then my business really. And so now do you do animal work full-time? Yeah, full full animal um, with some people. Um, so I've got some people who, so I'll, I'll chat about it later. I run my boot camp. Um, so generally, I, that's like a human and a dog duo. Um, okay. And people injure themselves. So if anybody's in that and they've like hurt their shoulder, hurt their ankle, I was talk, chatting to someone about their ankle earlier, then I kind of rehab them that way. But mostly it's dogs now and um, with some lecturing on the side of horses too. Okay, so do you just work with dogs right now? Yeah, I love it. Just dogs, just dogs. Um, they're just fun. And if it, if it goes wrong with a dog, I'll get bitten. It's not the end of the world. If it goes wrong with a horse, I'll die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just have to tell you, I, I was out driving around with Penny this morning and we saw these two horses that were chasing each other through a field. And then like one kind of cornered the other one and they were like up on their hind legs and at each other and then taken <laughs> off and running again. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I wouldn't want to get in the middle of that. <laughs> yeah, I love horses and I can't wait to get my own. But because I did, I did start off by seeing other people's horses. But then I realized that other people let their horses get away with so much. And it's OK with dogs because it's you can take it slow. And they, I've had dogs try to bite me. Touch wood, it's probably going to happen now I've said this. I haven't been bitten yet. Um, but with horses, they can be so rude. And when a horse is rude... It's it's dangerous. You're in a stable and you're poking it where it hurts. And I'm, yeah. Whereas if like the horse that I want to buy is like the my imaginary horse, you know, is super chill, <laughs> easy going, that type of thing. So yeah, it wasn't quite. It wasn't the horses that I love that I was ended up seeing. Just some crazy horses, and I was like, oh my goodness. I like my ribs being intact. I like my arms. I like my legs and my head. Because <laughs> yeah, we don't need you going through rehab and physio <laughs> <laughs> exactly can't do myself <laughs> so one of the things that I really love about what you're doing is this whole idea of fitness with your dog and I was so excited about this and you know it's so true like there's an obesity epidemic amongst people and of animals and we all both people and animals need to get more physical activity and so I love this idea that you're combining it so that it's fun activity you can do with your dog so can you tell us more about that yeah so basically when I was working um privately doing MSK type stuff and what I mean by that is like someone's broken their arm someone's got whiplash whatever some sort of back pain that type of thing then I would give people exercises and and by all means they would take them away and maybe do them for a little bit but then they got bored they had a life and they just it's not exciting I even as a physio I can say it's not exciting (laughs) I struggle to do my own exercises I give myself so people weren't doing them and in general people don't exercise as much as they should which is a real shame because 
like you were saying, we, we have this obesity kind of epidemic that's happening and that results in loads of different secondary issues and, and, and people are dying earlier because of it. So it's something we really need to sort out. And then on the other side, we've got dogs and people people really are really pretty good at doing their dog's physio exercises. I'll give them that. Really good. But we do have also a dog obesity epidemic. So loads of dogs are fat, whatever. So I was like, I'm giving people exercises separately and they're not doing one, kind of doing the other. And I was like, what if I just combine them? So then I tried it with um, me and Teddy and it was fun. So like an example is maybe you're doing some, I don't know, like a side plank. So you got your arm on the floor, holding your core, holding your kind of bum up off. And then you're getting your dog to crawl round underneath your arm and lie down in front of you. It sounds really crazy, but honestly, it's it's possible. I I did it with Teddy, the untrainable dog. So like anyone can do it and, and people are doing it. But and what I found is that so I've got two different types of people I work with. Some people who love exercise and are really after kind of the reducing injury and conditioning for sports. And I've got people who hate exercise and they've never stuck to a program. <laughs> You're raising your hand. I'm raising my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and like for both of them it's really working and people are sticking to it because it's fun and the whole I think that I I find exercise fun I know I'm a little bit weird for that but I've managed to teach and show other people that exercise is fun and and you're saving time if you can exercise both of you at the same time then it's perfect and you can actually so some people think and nothing against it because it's kind of what people it's what you're told you're exercising your dog is just walking around the block. You can do so much more than that. You can do some exercises at home and, and that's literally your exercising. So people who have a reactive dog and it's so stressful going out, maybe just do some stuff at home sometimes. Like You don't have to stress yourself out going around the block every time. And I'm also just thinking you know dogs love when we get down on the ground with them they're yeah. so interested to come over and sniff us and, and see what we're up to and you know my husband will try to do some push-ups or something and Penny's right in his face and so I think there's just like this natural inclination for dogs like when we get down on the ground with them like they want to be involved exactly and like I think people found out during the pandemic so everyone was like oh Joe Wicks or putting YouTube on um, to do some home exercises and then the dogs get in the way because generally we get on the floor to play with the dog and <laughs> then we're getting on the floor to do some exercises and we're wondering why our dog's jumping all over us right. so it gives our dog a job and it gets them so it's basically the exercises are what's got Teddy listening to me it's focusing on me and you're getting them to focus on you even when you're doing fun exciting stuff so when you transfer that to a field so maybe you get them listening to you in the home doing the exercise then in the garden then to the field they're already used to that really high arousal excited state that they can actually focus on you when you start changing up the environment and it's it's amazing because it's like they listen they listen but I mean I think they like they just want to be with us right like they, they, they want to please us and just be with us and and I, I just I love combining that those things they just love life they absolutely love life and that's it's the main thing, isn't it? And sometimes they get a bit distracted. But when they're not distracted, um, they do want to be with you. Even when they are distracted, they do. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I think a lot of us are familiar with this idea of like rehabilitation after an injury. But you actually taught me a word called prehab to like prevent injuries. Is that right? 
Yeah, I'm all about prehab. So prehab is prehabilitation. So for people, hopefully you guys are familiar with rehabilitation. So you've had an injury and you're kind of getting back on your feet, you or your dog. So it's kind of doing exercises, doing physio stuff to get back to kind of how you were before the injury. And then there's something called prehabilitation. So prehab, and you can guess it from the name, is before the injury. So it's not, I don't have a crystal ball saying like, oh my goodness, you're going to have an injury in like six weeks. So you need to start (laughs) doing this. (laughs) Like it's, it's to, everybody should do prehab basically to get yourself and your dog as fit, as strong, as well conditioned as possible. Then if you do have an injury, you can rehab much faster back to your original kind of state. And sometimes we do do prehab. So if we know there's a surgery coming up, then people do do prehab. I mean, you, you, you can have your crystal ball then. Um, but prehab is for everyone. And so some people say to me like, oh, my dog doesn't need physio. It's fine. I'm like, mm, well, there's this thing called prehab. Um, so yeah, if you've got a dog um, or yourself and you're not injured, hopefully, um, then prehab is for you. So I was actually really excited because my veterinarian just recommended something like this to me for Penny. Oh, wow. And, you know, Penny is, you know, we don't know exactly how old she is. You know, she is a rescue. She's been with us for seven years. She's definitely got to be, I like to say she's like 11 or 12. But, you know, my vet's like, look, she could be 13 or 14. You know, her face is completely white. You know, we, we don't know exactly. And she's starting to have some hind end weakness. She's lost some muscle mass. So we do go to the chiropractor. She does get acupuncture, but my vet wanted us to start working in some different exercises and just, you know, even things like walking backwards would help, you know, build up her hind end. And so I was really excited when, when, you know, I was hearing this from my vet. Do you work with a lot of veterinarians or are vets learning about this? Yeah. So, I mean, I love it when vets like say this. It's amazing because some vets are like super on it and I love them. (laughs) And some don't particularly love it, but in their defense. um, So I spoke to someone who, so vet school over here is five years. um, And I think in the whole five years, they had like a 10 or 15 minute talk on rehab and physio which out of five years is quite, quite yeah. slim. Um, so I think they used, the education wasn't particularly there about it, but now there's more and more research coming out about it. So it's, it's proving, it's showing kind of, yeah, this is, this is what we're doing and this is working. So generally I'd say the human medicine side is always about 10 years in advance. So we know that it works for humans and we've got the research coming in for animals and vets are beginning to kind of pick it up and know about it. But yeah, my, literally half of what I do is trying to just educate others. And um, so when I'm at uni, I'm educating the students, telling them to go out and educate everyone else. I've done talks at vets and um, I've done lives with vets. Um, basically, anybody, I'm here. I literally just preach it from the skies that... <laughs> doing stuff with your dog and rehab and prehab is all super important it's not just stick your dog in a box for eight weeks and then get it out and it's right as rain no and and I think it's important just generally as pet parents to have like more realistic expectations whether it's about like behavior or training or you know yeah injuries and I think like 
we watch i don't know if it's like from watching tv you just see this dog in the background and you throw them some food and they're like your best friend and everything's great but like it's actually you know <laughs> you got to make your dog a part of your life <laughs> and and I, I think um i i like have being able to have conversations about like setting realistic expectations for for us and for our dogs exactly it's you've got to you've got to do what's best for your dog at the end of the day haven't you if 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 something isn't good for it, so say you love dog agility, but your dog has something, I don't know, has hip dysplasia and really struggles, you're not doing agility with that dog. And sometimes you, even though you want to do something, you're like, okay, this this just isn't suitable. Um, and you're going to build up to stuff. Um, you can't just, so if you are kind of wanting to get into the agility world, don't just go jumping your dog over some jumps. Do some of the foundation stuff, do some of the conditioning, because the last thing you want, if you really enjoy it, is your dog to get an injury and then you're out of the game for like a year. And I'm not, I'm not even joking. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I, when I worked at the hospital, there was kind of an ACL class. So it's a ligament in your knee. And so once it's snapped, you have to have a surgery basically. Yeah. And it, it's quite a big thing. Oh yeah. I've had dogs <laughs> with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dogs, dogs also have similar ones, but this class for people it was basically full people who play football and people who've gone on a skiing holiday and they were there the class they got signed up for a year 12 months of coming to this class and that that's a lot so now when i've when i went on to like a snow holiday type thing i snowboard because the worst that happens is you break your wrist that's six weeks <laughs> compared to a year <laughs> Wow, that's a really interesting. Yeah, so if you want to choose between snowboarding and um, skiing, look at the injuries. <laughs> <laughs> so what are like the most common injuries that you see in dogs? I'm guessing CCL tear has got to be right up there. Yeah, but not as much as you'd think. I'd, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do see them. I'd say hip dysplasia is quite a bit. Um, you got your elbow dysplasias and generally kind of just back pain. Um, and often, so I talk to a few different behaviorists and I end up seeing their dogs. So their dogs, they'll see them because they've got some sort of behavior issue and they're just kind of, they want to have it cleared for pain basically. So then they end up coming through me and I just do like a pain assessment and quite often we'll find that the dog's in pain. So, so with something to think about, if your dog's behavior is messing up, if it's, if it's been quite a sudden thing or even a gradual why do we think it's happening? Is it relevant to other stuff? Could it be you've got an old dog like Penny and maybe she's a bit more grumpy if people um, stroke in the back end, maybe because it's, it's painful. Right. No, that's a really excellent point. Yeah. 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 We, we had an old gal named Kalua and she Aww. was our CCL girl and she tore the first one and we actually did a knee brace and she was actually part of a... Um, like a clinical study, you know, that was in a, you know, veterinary journal about the use of knee braces to rehab instead of surgery. And then of course she blew the other one because usually once one goes, then the other one goes. (laughs) Yeah. And so that time we, we just kind of did more conservative management, you know, at this point, you know, she was like 12 or 13 years old. And she also, 
she did not like being in the crate and she had a history of like busting her face up uh, to get out of the crate. So I was like, there's no way I can put this, you know, 13 year old dog in a crate for a surgery, you know, (laughs) like it was just not an option. We actually learned about prolozone therapy. And so we did a lot of, a lot of all the other things uh, to, to try to, but, but she did, um, she did do rehab. She did the like hydrotherapy. Oh, I love hydro. So yeah, we, we kind of, we did kind of all of the things. So that was sort of my introduction <laughs> to, to this world. Brilliant. It's yeah. Hydro is amazing. Absolutely love it. And so there's like swim, like that's kind of different from swimming though, right? Yeah. So you've got, well, generally two main types of hydrotherapy is in a swimming pool. Um, but not like an awesome pool, like a dog swimming hydro pool, <laughs> and then an underwater treadmill. Um, yeah, so there you main two types. My favorite, personal favorite, is the treadmill because it's nice in controlled movements. And when you're getting the dog to kind of walk over the treadmill, the gait that they're using and their movements is exactly the same as what they'd use on land. So it's it's really good. It's really kind of transferable, and the water kind of reduces like the doesn't reduce gravity but you know what I mean it reduces kind of the force acting down through the joints um so it's much easier for them to kind of walk and um, increases range of movement blah 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 it's it's really good basically water um water treadmills fab the swimming pool it can be quite good I think it depends on I wouldn't throw everything in a pool um some things definitely treadmill but if you've got like a really neurological dog so one that's really struggling and you're just kind of getting it to stand up and and really simple like that just getting them up in the water it just takes all that pressure away really and it's just yeah it's like it's like with us if we have hydrotherapy it's just the water has such a great kind of effect and then yeah and swimming swimming is really good but it's controlled it's not just throwing your dog in the sea (laughs) (laughs) So I, I was just realizing the the other half of my story about Penny is that we actually found out she had some congenital hip dysplasia. And I never knew this. We always knew that she had kind of like she always needed to get her hip adjusted from the chiropractor. But my vet actually had recommended that we do like full body x-rays on her just kind of to get a baseline diagnostic. You know, she's getting older. What does everything look like? Yeah. You know. And that was how we found out, oh, she actually, you know, has like some hip dysplasia, you know, that she was born with on her, her right side. So yeah. that was kind of what led to, yes, we should do some exercises. Yes, we should build, you know, some of this up. And um, it's just been really interesting because I, I love how kind of uh, preventive my vet is being, you know, with these things as, as Penny gets older. Sounds like a really, really good vet. Want to kind of keep... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She lives yeah. like an hour away. And, you know, I worth like, a drive. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like we plan our whole like weekends around going out there sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be honest, if you've got a good vet, then that's the although they can be a bit pricey. I swear, whenever I go to the vets, it always costs me a 100 pounds. And no matter what, always costs oh, me. Yeah. And my excess is 99 pounds on my insurance. So for a pound, it's just not worth it. Oh, that's an interesting point. Does insurance cover the work that you do, pet insurance? Yeah. So quite often people don't realize it, but it's brilliant now. So they've, a lot of insurances and pet insurances cover physio, um, which is brilliant. It's made a massive difference for people. Doesn't always cover the prehab work, but 
sometimes it does you can kind of just ask just honestly insurance companies you can ring them up and ask they're like human beings at the end of the phone they're really good and sometimes people feel like the insurance company it's okay (laughs) they're people just talk to them um and ask and yeah so loads of people that I see they wouldn't have physio without it and it's it's been it's been a godsend um yeah absolutely brilliant for it all you have to do is you don't really have to do anything. Some some physios will ask to kind of be reimbursed. So you pay and then the insurance kind of pays them. And or like you pay, you, the physio waits for the insurance to pay. So yeah, it's it's great. Brilliant. And hydro, I think it covers as well. Oh, that's wonderful. So what should pet parents know about working with a physiotherapist with their dog? Like, is this something where they can just drop their dog off and Maybe they're grocery shopping or, or yeah. I once had a a man. I think I told you before. I once had a man who um, it's nothing against men here. Any man watching this, men are absolutely fantastic. But um, he was what some people would call the typical husband, who um, his wife had sent him with the dog, and he came and turned up to the physio appointment and was like, "My wife sent me. Here's the dog." And then I was like, oh, like, are you going to stay? And he was like, no, I'm going to the shop. And then he left me with said dog. (laughs) But he didn't tell me anything about the dog. So generally, I really like the people to be with me because then I can ask them questions about the dog. Like I had this dog and I was like, hey, what's up? Like, (laughs) how are you feeling? Why are you here? (laughs) Exactly. So if you if the person's there, it's brilliant because they can help you handle in the dog. They tell you if the dog does or doesn't like anything. They can tell you like the dog's history. <laughs> um, so yeah, come with the dog and go away expecting homework. That's the two main things. And make sure speak to your vets. Um, so a lot of people also don't speak to the vets. Honestly, these people are all humans. Speak to the vets. Do they have any physios they can recommend? They might have someone that they really do. Check out that someone's kind of accredited. And um, so have they done the right qualifications or they with the right professional body? Because in the UK, I don't know about in the States, um, veterinary physiotherapist isn't a protected title. So you, you could literally just call yourself a vet physio and start charging people. So just make sure that whoever you're seeing is a legit person. Um, because although you think that you can't do any harm, you can do harm. So make sure that you're seeing someone who's who's good. What are like some examples of uh, like exercise, like homework that somebody would have to do with their dog? In terms of just kind of dog rehab. So someone who's a little bit more kind of advanced. So we might put them onto two different platforms. So you've got the front paws on the platform, the back paws on the platform, and you can spread them out a little bit. So it's a bit like they're doing the plank. And um, basically, because they're having to be really concentrated on where they're kind of feet are that type of thing you can get a dog kind of bowing on the platforms doing a light stand up and that type of thing all basically like the plank really good core exercises and without the platforms if you're kind of building a dog up from the bottom so you're just on like a normal floor but not a slippy floor and you might have them kind of standing square square halt so nice standing hands on their shoulders or their bum and just gently rocking from side to side um, and what that can do is it just teaches the muscles to switch on and off and um, really kind of gentle strengthening. And then you kind of up it by doing it on cushions, wobble cushions. And I'm sure if anybody's hurt that ankle, they've probably been given similar exercises. This gets much harder. Um, and then it kind of also improves kind of proprioception. So a dog's 
awareness of where they are in space basically and where their paws are um and like you were saying with the walking backwards really good exercise and um, loads of dogs have no idea where their back feet are no idea yeah it's um, been interesting trying to do this with penny because yeah she's like I, I can just turn around and i'm like no, no, no. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it really depends on kind of what's the issue and you need to make sure the exercise is kind of perfect for your dog um and yeah and whenever we work as physios I always get vet consent before so I speak to a vet beforehand kind of hey what's going on (laughs) that type of thing um and get them to give me the go-ahead before I see them because it's really good to kind of talk to everyone if everybody talks then it's a much smoother process it's not like oh they said this but they said this it's yeah if everyone communicates it's much easier yeah, you want to have a team. Yeah, multidisciplinary team. That's what we call yes. it, the MDT. And so you have just launched your very first online course. Is that right? Yeah, and I love it. It's great. <laughs> and so what is this called? So it's called the Ultimate, as in Ultimate with dogs instead of Ultimate. For the fun, you know. So the Ultimate Boot Camp. So it's a boot camp, basically, for people to get fit and exercise with their dogs. Um, yeah, and it's where you kind of... We create a personalized program for you and your dog, work with you to kind of achieve your goals. It's over a 12 week period, but I also kind of include mindset stuff because if you go to the gym on the 1st of January, it's absolutely packed. But if you go on the 31st, it's pretty much empty. And it's not because the people physically can't go. It's because they've just just lost the motivation. So I do kind of mindset stuff, weekly stuff, just to keep people motivated upbeat going um we've got a free face we've got a facebook group that where we do like lives each week people ask questions it's really fun it's really really fun and and people are starting to have some really awesome results in there like in terms of their dogs listening um which is always a great one <laughs> but also kind of fitness wise and finding exercises easier and stuff like that which is fab yeah it is it is because i I am not somebody that loves the exercise, but, you know, I like getting out with the dogs, you know, like walking and, you know, hiking is like our favorite thing. And so, yeah, if I can do it more with the dogs, then I would be more, you know, more likely to do it. Exactly. And if, if you know that an exercise will improve a dog, your dog, if it's good for your dog, if you're sitting on the sofa, you're like, oh, I should do it. It's good for them. (laughs) It makes you do it. Yeah, I mean, we're always more likely to do do things for our dogs, even if we won't for ourselves, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. We'd literally give our dogs would be sleeping on like a gold plated bed and where he'd be in baked <laughs> beans. He'd do anything for our dogs. And so where can people go to find out more about the Ultimate Boot Camp? So I've got a free Facebook group, um, which everyone's more than welcome to join. Yep, we'll have a link in the show notes. And you guys can join that and I kind of have some free resources in there. Um, so ask to join and I generally ask a few questions because I got some free stuff, which is always good fun, like warming up with your dog. I don't know how to reduce injury in your dog's neck. Loads of random stuff. Um, so, yeah, join that. I've also got a website. So my business is VetFizPro. Um, so www.vetfizpro.com. I'll also send that across. But, yeah, yes. the, the free Facebook group is kind of the place to be. Oh, you know, I had a question I wanted to ask you. You Since Penny's gotten older, we've been walking her on a harness. Mm -hmm. And I was curious about your thoughts of like um, a harness versus a collar. 
Oh, this one is um topical debate. You'll have like it's like the raw food versus non-raw food conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I use both on Ted. Um, so he uses both. So I've started Canny Cross with him. So that's definitely a harness. Um, it depends. So I've got some. So one of the free resources I've got is about reducing neck injury risk for like dogs with collars or even that's with what made of, me think of it. Yeah, yeah, even with kind of harnesses and stuff. I think if you've got a dog who you really struggle with in terms of um, walking to heel and you're constantly yanking on the neck, it's obviously not great. Uh, that's not great and um, I'd recommend to see a trainer to try and help with that um, and a harness would probably be better just for kind of the dog's safety but if you've got a dog who's really strong and you're incapable of kind of holding them with a harness it can be really hard so then people do use collars or head collars that type of stuff and um, I really recommend more for people if you're struggling with your dog pulling then see a trainer and try and get that loose lead walk in because I from a personal experience I am um, had Teddy on a harness and it was uh, he's like 35 kilograms I know you guys use pounds out there so I don't know what that is in pounds <laughs> heavy anyway he's quite a heavy butch muscly dog and I really struggled to kind of he had this really powerful commando crawl um and it was really hard and I would say next to the road it wasn't safe so I'm, I've, I'm always really honest about me and Teddy it wasn't safe and um, and that was where I was struggling because I didn't want to use a collar because it, with the amount it was pulling it wouldn't have been great but I was struggling with a harness and um, and then we went on a walk and he slipped both his harness and his collar so he's also an escape artist oh wow yeah he he can get out of anything which has caused me a lot of stress in the past I can imagine yeah he once I had him on a harness and the collar and I had a double-ended lead clipped onto both because I was like I'm gonna be really safe so I'm gonna have if he gets out of one I've got him on the other and we were walking along um and he got out with both and jumped off a cliff into some water because he likes water and you can imagine me, I was having like a heart attack. Oh my God. He survived the cliff jump. And um, honestly, and he also chased a sheep across um, Wales, which is bad. Um, <laughs> honestly, if anybody's sitting there thinking my dog's awful, I have been there. I've had <laughs> sleepless crying nights and, oh my God. and I've made it. I've made it out the other side. So it's, I would say train training. Um, if you can train your dog to walk at a loose lead, it shouldn't matter what you use. Um, it's only if your dog's repetitively pulling maybe the harness is best but then again it can be hard so I don't feel that is the right answer but if you're doing traction sports like canny cross bike drawing stuff like that harness absolutely if your dog's going to be pulling definitely a, a proper harness which isn't going to kind of affect the windpipe stuff like that so for me and Ted now um I don't actually really need a lead so you legally have to have a lead when you walk around the roads in the UK. So I have a lead on for that. Um, don't really use it. It's just there, um, which is crazy. I can't even believe I'm saying that. I don't need a lead. So, yeah, that's um, a mixed a mixed answer. I think every dog's different. And I don't think there's a one size suits all. I actually think that's the perfect answer. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. No, like, I, you know we you know our guy Nino he he's a big boy um yeah he's like 80 pounds which I'm thinking that's probably around the size that Teddy is I was trying to do some some math in my head <laughs> I'm old now so it's not as easy as it used to be yeah, I don't even <laughs> know the conversions don't worry 
you know, and he's a really strong guy. And, and so we feel more comfortable having him on a collar, yeah. but you know, with Penny, like she's just kind of wandering along and, and I do get worried about her neck and injury pressure on things. And so, yeah, we, we've been walking her on a harness and, and we actually, our, our chiropractor actually kind of evaluated uh, the harness choice for us because she wanted to make sure that her shoulder blades weren't being restricted. Yeah. And so she really likes, you know, the, the one that we found because I guess sometimes there's these training harnesses that like kind of limit their, the motion of their shoulders. And she was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want her on that. Yeah. So there are some harnesses which like have a strap that go around the front and they aren't great for shoulder. I would, I, I don't want to name it because I feel bad naming and shaming specific harnesses. There's a strap that goes in front of your dog's shoulders. That's really not good for range of movement. It can also irritate the nerves. Um, so that's not great. You want, if you're picking, if you're, if you're like, okay, I want a harness, then um, you want something that A, isn't too up on the neck, that isn't going to restrict their kind of breathing. Um, because the whole point of a harness is like, it should be the chest that's pulling, not like the necks. Right. Um, so coming down through the front, um, kind of around the neck. So the shoulders are nice, free moving. They shouldn't be restricted. If you've got a dog who can escape, then you'll, <laughs> from experience, you want um, the one that comes back a bit further and has a thinner strap around the tummy. Um, because then supposedly it stops them kind of taking it off because Teddy has this amazing reversing technique. Um <laughs> But sometimes for safety, so in vets, they will use slip leads all the time because for safety. So I've had Teddy on a slip lead because, um, and I'll probably get a bit of kickback for this, um, but every dog is different. So I used a normal collar. He got out of that. I went on to a, so the, the day that he escapes and jump off a, off a cliff, um, he was on a escape proof harness, <laughs> um, which he got out of. And I'd put him on a martingale collar which tightens a little bit. Not, I never pull on the collar, but I was like, if I can't say that swearing, if it gets bad, <laughs> if it gets bad, <laughs> yeah, um, if mm, hits the fan, um, then when he when it tightens, then he should be able to knock it out, and he got out of that. And that day when he jumped off the cliff, and it took a, it took like public and me to winch him out of the water. Then I started to use a slip lead after that just because so I got the training in if when it got bad, then he he couldn't escape because when I was next to the road, it would have been dangerous, stuff like that. So I think you've got to take in the bigger picture. Vets use slip leads because they don't want the dog to escape. So it's but now I've done a heck of a lot of training. So as soon as that came about, I so I might still walk him in a slip lead, but it's like it's way baggier than a collar would ever be um so I would say if you see somebody who's using a specific thing like a slip lead or a collar don't always assume the worst um just have the conversation if you're interested you don't know what people have gone through Uh, I've never used e-collars prong collars whatever I've never used them um I've never actually spoken to anyone who's used them but oh okay have you? Yeah, I've never, I've never spoken to people. So um, we actually went to a training class that used prong collars, and we were okay. kind of like, oh, okay. Um, and then, kind of halfway through the class, we kind of decided, oh, I, I don't think this is for us. It was a little more like heavy-handed of a method, um, or at least that that specific trainer was, and yeah. we, we didn't want to keep going with it. 
Exactly. You've got to choose what's best for you and your dog. And for anyone listening, I don't yank my dog on a slip lead. Please don't think like the bad of me. It was it was purely for... So I still had a normal lead, but I had a slip lead that I just had... I generally put it around and tied it to his harness. And that was my safety. So I could grab that. If all else failed, I could grab it. Um, I only used it one or two times when it was emergency. Well... I think this is brilliant. Like, I think that this is wonderful to talk about because I think there's a lot of different tools that can be used in a lot of different scenarios that it's a constant, like, evolving and learning and, you know, having backups and, you know, maybe you have a really challenging dog. It's like when you buy a necklace, isn't it? You can have that um, extra chain. So if it snaps, like, it's... It's not a bad thing. So people like people are like, oh, slip leads are awful. But if you've literally just got a slip lead on your dog and you've tied it to the harness and that gives you the confidence to go for a walk with your dog next to the road, there's no problem in that whatsoever. Because yeah. it, you don't know what someone's been like. I thought he died that day jump, he jumped off that cliff. It was awful. Um, yeah, and, and then you, you move on and you progress. And now, like, oh, I can't find a lead. Shove on a slip lead. Like don't even need it walking around like do you know what I mean it's 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 a process so what whatever whatever point you're at with your dog you will you will get there it's about maybe maybe working with someone that's not working just move try different people it's like you have different teachers you don't just have one teacher just move around learn learn off a few different people and and find what suits you and you might have to tie a slip lead round now and tie it to the harness for your like peace of mind you probably I only did that for like a couple months um and it and it that helped me be calm and it's like people put the reactive um like harnesses on don't they and the high vis if that helps do it like there's no whatever works right. <laughs> it's not it's not harming the dog is it wearing a high vis <laughs> But no, I, I think these are important conversations to have. It's been so much fun getting to talk to you today. I'll make sure we have links in the show notes so that people can find out more about you. They can follow your very honest journey with Teddy <laughs> online. Too honest. <laughs> they can sign up for the Ultimate Boot Camp. Like, you're doing awesome things. I'm so excited. Thank you very much for having me. It's been lovely. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by the Hugs and Belly Rubs Dog Health Journal. If you'll be traveling this holiday season and you have a lot of instructions to leave for your pet sitter, then make sure you get a copy of the Dog Health Journal, which is available for digital download right now. With the Dog Health Journal, you can schedule your dog's daily meals, medications, supplements, track their appetite, water intake, and even poops. You can record their daily activities and note any changes in their physical appearance, such as lumps and bumps, or their routine. Since our dogs can't talk, it's our job as pet parents to listen to what they're telling us through their behavior and body language. With the Dog Health Journal, you can keep all the information you need to let your veterinarian know all in one place. With the Dog Health Journal bundle, you get your daily pages, you get your vet visit pages, you get a free 23-page ebook of the 12 changes in your dog to never ignore, and you also get tons of dog mom life hacks and general tips for keeping your dog as healthy as possible. So make sure you check the link in the show notes to hugsandbellyrubs.com for the Dog Health Journal. Your dog and your vet will thank you. And you can save $2 on your purchase of the Digital Dog Health Journal when you use code XMAS22 before December 22nd.
Oh my goodness, Steph is so much fun, and I'm so glad we got to talk to her. She shared great stories and great information. There are so many great takeaways, especially about doing what's comfortable for you and your dog, whether it's training, wearing a harness or a collar. There's no one-size-fits-all answers to dogs. There's no one-size-fits-all answers to these questions. It's all about getting to know your dog and getting to know what works best for you and your dog and your bond and your relationship. Make sure you check the links in the show notes if you're interested in finding out how to work with a canine rehabilitation therapist. In the U.S., it looks like there's a couple different types of certifications, such as CCRT or CCRP. And so there's a couple different links that you can check to find someone near you who could help you work with your dog in a rehab or even prehab way. And this doesn't even necessarily have to be like an ongoing long-term thing that you do with your dog. It might be something that you go once or twice and get a fitness plan put together that you can then use at home to give you some basic exercises that might help your dog, you know, as they get older or to prevent any injuries or from re-injuring something. And of course, if your goal is to move your body more in the new year and to get your dog moving with you, make sure you check out Steph's Ultimate Bootcamp. You can join her free Facebook group and I'll also have links in the show notes to her website and how you can join the Ultimate Bootcamp. I'm so excited about this. And I love the fact that she has the background in both human and animal physical therapy so that she can help you with any limitations you have with modifying exercises as well as help your dog with modifying things to be right for your dog's abilities too. Steph is such an amazing resource and I'm so glad that I was able to have this conversation with her and share it with you listeners. It was the perfect way to wrap up the year. I wish you a happy holiday season, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what you choose to celebrate or not celebrate. For anyone who's missing their dog during this holiday season, I certainly know how that feels as well, and I'm wishing you peace and comfort in your memories. I know several people that we've had as guests on the show have lost really special dogs to them this year. I know we lost Hexie and Charm and Nina and Scout. And so if you are someone for whom the holidays are a tough time, uh, my heart goes out to you too, and, and I've been there as well. If there's no one in your life that you feel comfortable reaching out to, I'm always here. I wish you all a safe, happy, and healthy 2023 for both you and your dog. I have several guests already lined up, and I'm getting contacted all the time. I'm so excited for all that I'll be sharing with you in 2023. I also have kind of a little bit of a secret project that I'm working on right now that I'll be sharing with you, and I'll be back with a new episode on January 9th. So that'll do it for this episode of the Believe in Dog podcast. If you like this episode, remember that you can always leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's pretty much the biggest compliment that you can give a podcaster. Remember, you can always find me on Instagram at Believe in Dog Podcast with underscores or on Facebook at Believe in Dog Podcast. So until next time in 2023, this is Aaron Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs. Believe in Dog Podcast is a production of Hugs and Belly Rubs, LLC.